Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. I'm not sure why I'm not hearing that promo. Well, what up, everybody? This is Jess at Jess Messen Broadcast on Lions Radio Network. I'm not sure what's going on with my promo here. Tyler, are you there? I am. Okay, cool. I don't know. Well, normally it says, welcome to Jess Messen Broadcast. But today, obviously, we're going to have a messy situation, which in due time is not surprising. But anyways, we have... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's this, like, counter for my promo is just spinning and spinning. So there it goes. Oh. I think it's playing now. Well, whatever. It's over. Anyways, you guys, we're here, and I have an awesome guest. Tyler Wallach is with me, and Tyler is this dope visual artist from New York City. Jess Messen Broadcast is hosted by Jess Bowl, a visual artist from Baltimore, Maryland. Jess invites those who have inspired her to recount their tales of becoming professional artists and creators. Through sharing memories and stories, Jess and her guests relive experiences, discuss new projects, and foster new ideas, all while making sense of this crazy pop culture world we live in. Tune in weekly for a variety of guests ranging from musicians, designers, artists, and entrepreneurs who are actively creating the world around us. And now, it's time for Jess Messin' Broadcast with Jess Full. Oh, that was worth real- the wait. That was amazing. I know, I think- just, isn't oh, he? That I, was so good. I know. See, I befriended him on Facebook because I was like, "Hey, sexy," and he did not say, "Is he sexy?" <laughs> yeah, and then he did not accept my friend request. So that was like, <laughs> as as like, well, you know, like you know. up and down that relationship was. I know. I thought maybe yeah. it was like the one. I was like, you can introduce, but spicy yeah. nonetheless. Yeah, if you can introduce me like that, like wake up to that every morning. Good morning, Jess. Welcome to your day. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's it's exciting. If you know, if you're feeling a little low one day, it might make you a little anxious. Like, oh, God. Uh, I really have to perform. I know. (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, oh, God, I I better have an action-packed day. I have to live up to that right now, which is what you have to do with this radio show, Tyler. Yes, I'm ready. Okay, so now that we have heard the promo and we're going to get together and foster new ideas, let me introduce Tyler. (laughs) Um, Okay, Tyler Wallach is an innovative and independent queer artist living in Harlem, recognized for his bright and boldly colored street art characters on both canvas and clothing, referred to as the 1988 love child of Keith Haring and Lisa Frank. Tyler, a native Texan, hails New York City with five plus years of experience painting and independently producing large scale solo art shows multifaceted clothing lines, and brand-integrated murals across the globe. Tyler has adopted a unique form of interactive art by painting live, in-person at events throughout the country between visual arts and their audience. This live painting style has led Tyler to win the 2015 Brooklyn Nightlife Award for Best Visual Artist. 
compassion and care for the LGBTQ community is a driving force of inspiration and has led Tyler to produce many multiple large-scale paintings a year that are donated and auctioned off by national LGBTQ charities with 100% of the proceeds going towards at-risk queer youth and anti-bullying efforts. Okay, so, Mm -hmm. and you can... Mm-hmm. And I mean, this goes on for a long list oh, yeah, of like yeah. awesome, awesome stuff that you've done. But and just recently, Tyler painted a positivity mural live in Austin, Texas, for South by Southwest to raise money for Red, a nonprofit organization working on HIV/AIDS awareness, prevention, and treatment in Africa. Um, you know, he's worked with Habitat for Humanity. You just did a thing with Rag and Bone for Pride Week yeah, yeah. or Pride Month, and. So there's a few reasons why we have Tyler here. Um, so first, hey, hey, Bud, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Thank you so much for having me this morning. Well, this afternoon. This morning. For well, all of us. This, this is Saturday. Yeah, I create my own schedule. Yeah. Well, that's what you know. I've been pounding out a lot of paintings this week. I don't know. It's just like one of those time frames that I've been sleeping in yeah. and staying up late. And then I'm like, that's okay because I still got all the work done. Totally. Yeah, I spent all weekend doing a really cool pop-up shop selling my T-shirts and some of my new hoodies at the Museum of Sex um, in Manhattan here in New York City. It was a really fun uh, weekend, <laughs> but, you know, long days. Well, that's the whole thing, too, like, because people are like, oh, you're not doing anything on a Tuesday, but... You know, I worked all the way. I worked Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, you know, like, so it kind of, we just. And when you catch uh, the wave of inspiration and decide to paint from midnight until five in the morning and decide to sleep the entire next day, it makes perfect sense to the artist, but to everybody else on the outside, you probably look a little crazy, but that's okay. You get used to it. Yeah, I've, I've been used to looking crazy for a long time now I feel like I feel like that was something that easily was like you know worn off in early years I know when I moved into this new place my bedroom is in the back it's like a loft and the bedroom's in the back without a window in it and initially I was like oh my god it's gonna drive me nuts and then I had that first night where I like just got on something and wanted to finish it by morning, you know, and then I slept all day and I was like, this bedroom's magnificent. Whatever artist laid this out, total genius. Yeah, rooms with no windows, I have to say, like, I love to get lost in those two. They're great for work. Yeah, you know, like, just like, I'm going to sleep here all day and not even know the difference. Okay. Yes. Let's talk about some artwork, man. Cool. So... Tyler here is the backstory on how Tyler and I, I don't even know how we got connected. I found, or I maybe something through, I don't even, Probably it was definitely through the internet. Yeah, yeah. Through Instagram. And I was so attracted to Tyler's work because I am a, obviously a huge Warhol fan, obviously a huge pop art fan with that comes being a huge Keith Haring fan. I'm a Keith Haring fan for multiple reasons. Um, you know, unlike with necessarily Warhol, I really believed in a lot of the efforts that Keith Haring was putting out with his artwork and the messages he was trying to say and kind of how in your face and obvious he made it. And mm-hmm. I think that's, 
that's why it was so effective. And then I saw Tyler's work on the internet and I was like, yo, dude, this kid, well, not even a kid, Tyler and I are the same age, but I was like, yeah, I'm freaking out. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I want to be a kid, Bill. It's fine. Yeah, I know. Definitely. Mean, well, you're definitely a kid at heart. So Tyler yeah. explain or describes himself as the 1988 love child of Keith Haring and Lisa Frank, and more accurate, he could not be. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us kind of the backstory on how Tyler started arting and how these two artists were you know, major influences in how that happened for you. Because even the physicality that Tyler carries and stuff is very Keith Haring, which is so cool. I just, like, love even seeing your pictures. I'm like, yo, it's, like, so retro. So Yeah, yeah. And and oddly enough, um, at, <laughs> at a period of time around turning 30, I had to get glasses, too. So now I have all of these shops and art shows that I've done, and I'm doing the exact same poses with, like, same glasses, colorful glasses style as Keith Haring. And uh, I, every year on his birthday, I'll put a picture of me and him looking eerily similar. Um, our, I've just had so many signs point to him. Um, and as far as what you were saying about, you know, what, uh, what the two artists, you know, sort of the difference between Haring and Warhol, is but yeah, Haring literally wearing his heart on his sleeve and on his canvas. Um, I think he was, like, literally pouring his heart out with his work, uh, whereas Andy, I think, was more so uh, sort of playing the game of life and seeing how far he could take it and being, uh, you know, for, for lack of a better term, being more of a banksy about it, being kind of uh, uh, maybe a jerk about it at times and uh, totally. taking credit for things. You know what I mean? Being kind of and I think an that's why I have, like, a little of... all the money. Yeah, like a little of both in me, in the sense Absolutely, where I can Absolutely, and you have to. You totally yeah, have like, to, because... Like the love the, and the you know, care, yeah. Yeah, it's a business at the end of the day, of course. Uh, you know, I'd love to hold hands with all the artists out there and just paint forever and ever, but we actually have to sell them, and... Uh, That's hysterical. Yeah. But, I'd love to hold hands yeah. with all the artists, too. <laughs> Someone like, out there thinks that's what the fuck they, they think that's what we're doing, and it's just not the it's not the tea. That's not how it that's not how it works. As much <laughs> as we wish, but um, as an artist myself, I was always really really inspired by cartoons. And personally, I was always obsessed with people like Robin Williams and Jim Carrey, and I I really loved Aladdin. Um, and I had I had put together that oh that's uh, Robin Williams' voice. And I was obsessed with Mrs. Doubtfire and all of the Ace Ventura, silly, stupid, campy movies. Um, so I started getting inspired to do theater. And I had really been on a track to do professional musical theater my entire life since I was in junior high doing children's theater all through middle school. And then when I got to high school, I said, okay, now I'm going to start training for professional theater. And... When I was in high school, I had honestly been doing theater for so many years that I had started looking for an outlet. And I realized early that my outlet was drawing. But in my mind, I had told myself, you're never, you're not an artist because you can't draw what you see. Because in junior high, I had taken an art class and I got a really bad grade. And side note, don't get me started about grades on art in school. Anyway. Uh 
Tyler, I, I know. Go. My art teacher put my final senior project in a trash bag because I painted a uh, woman who was drinking a martini. The woman in the painting was clearly over 21, but I painted somebody at the of I was only, you know, like 16. I painted someone drinking sure. and it was trash. I was like, wait, I just, what? I just like, <laughs> I literally, we had, okay, this is, we had like, you know, the tube after the toilet paper is done or after the um, uh, paper yeah. towel is done. So the art teacher gets like eight of those and glues them together. Like it's something unique, please. <laughs> and you have to draw, you have to draw that. And that is the art final. And I got like a really bad grade on it. And I felt like, you're, like, wow, you're trying to make me draw not... to- toilet paper rolls right now. Like I'm really not interested <laughs> in this. I just couldn't believe it, and I thought, well, I'm not an artist, but I do like doing voices, and I like pretending to be other people, so I'm going to do theater. And then finally I said, you know what, I'm I'm not going to be an artist, I'm going to be an actor, but I can draw. So as an outlet for frustration, before I had graduated college, before moving to New York City, I took a screen printing class, and the assignment for the class was to create something for the entire semester that you can work off of, like a character or a theme or something. So I said, okay, I'm uh, on track, an actor, and this is, this, yeah, this is this is so silly. So I said, well, an actor is like a cloud. Clouds are like emotional sometimes. Clouds are like bright and sunny sometimes, and they're moving all over the place. And my goal at the time was to book a national tour of a musical, which now seems like a nightmare six years later, you know, like six years later. But, yeah, um, I know. So I, started I had some crazy goals, and I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> right, right. You know, you look back you're like, oh, God, if I would have gotten what I had asked for in that moment, I'd be a different girl today. <laughs> so I started drawing clouds. That was my thing. I said, okay, I'm going to do these clouds, and but I have to be cool about it, uh, and so I'm going to spell it with a Z, C-L-O-U-D-Z, which later I didn't realize was like uh, an Internet code word for people who do meth. So I had to change the name of my business, which is fine. You look, you live and learn, girl. You Google, you learn things. You, you learn first. things along the way. Yeah, you Google first, do some research, and then name your brand. So just be careful with that. Don't don't associate your brand with this on accident. Yeah. Well. I- yeah, I mean, as you just, if anyone takes away any um, advice from this episode, just know to actually Google it before you put it out there. <laughs> yeah, so I started doing these clouds, and then um, I, I started drawing all over Hello My Name is stickers. So I made this website called Hello My Name is Ty, C-Y, and I put them up all over my campus. Um, and it really became, like, this phenomenon of, like, who's doing this and, like, where are these stickers coming from and, um, and like, let's keep tracking them. So they were tracking them, and there was, like, a little piece about it in the paper. And then I thought, wow, I've really got something going here. And I kept developing the characters and screen printing. And so when I moved to New York City, I kept putting up stickers all over town. And two guys from L.A. saw the stickers and said, hey, you must be some big artist. Uh, in New York, we've seen your stickers, and we want you to participate in a group on show called The History of Queer Street Art. Uh, let us know how much it would cost. We want to fly you out, blah, blah, blah. And I call my dad, and I say, oh, my God, like, I, I these guys think I'm some artist. They want to do <laughs> an art show. And I'm from Houston. Do you think I'm a real artist, Dad? 
Yeah, yeah. I like after all these years, I was like, oh my gosh, because you know, even while I was doing theater, I had wanted to do graphic design so bad. I would wish I could have taken drawing classes and gotten better, but I was so invested into voice classes and dance and just like everything yeah. it was going to take to be an actor. But uh, so I said, you're oh like my so God. far like, into it, you know? Yeah. Oh, you know, you get so deep and you have your dream, and you know, I'm really goal oriented, and so yeah. But I, these guys said, "Come to LA," and I said, "Oh my God, I've never been to California, so I said, <laughs> this is gonna be great." And I went and I did the art show, and truly, I, I really haven't looked back. So it's really just been an amazing fake it till you make it um, uh, wave of success, and. Yeah, an opportunity leads itself to the next, and you just have to keep saying yes. Keep putting yourself in those uncomfortable positions. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think that's what, you know, Tyler and I spoke on the phone for the first time um, a, probably about a month ago, and we actually got on, got along at length for quite some time, and we oh, really yeah. have a lot, of, a lot of commonality in how we think and operate art. And it's funny, like, the more of these shows that I do and the more artists I get involved, there's, like, <clears throat> excuse me, like a... Uh, a commonality between the ones that I can really, really, and and just not even with this show in, in life, like the artists that I interact with and inevitably the ones that I can really get along with and really communicate about art with and like shuck and jive about art tend to be the self finders, the, the self taught, the self creators, um, you know, I am one of those. So like, I don't ever fall back on the fundamentals about of how the art game is supposed to work or how it's supposed to look. And yeah. you're very much that a, way. It comes from a wonderful place because I think that when you set your goal on something else and art can be something that you maybe want, but you don't need like in that time I needed theater to happen for me I was just it's like when you need a relationship to work girl it ain't gonna work like you you can't really need it that hard Uh, you can want it and work towards it but um, exactly because when you start to try and force something uh, it's just gonna go it's just gonna go to pieces totally yeah it's like a bad pair of jeans yo (laughs) (laughs) Shit, yeah, not exactly. comfortable. <laughs> yeah, so I think my lack of training actually is um, what keeps me able to wake up every day and take yourself seriously enough to take your newest idea and say, you know what, this is crazy, but yes, like this is going to work and have confidence in that to push it out there and see what happens. Yeah, that's totally true because even with like the most like inane things that I come up with or even if I get frustrated with something it doesn't turn out how I want it to look or like there is no um like I'm not going to make this or I'm not going to try this because it's not within the element of which is desired or expected. I'm like I don't really exactly. care. I'm going to make it cuz exactly. like I feel it and I want it and I love it and you know I'm capable of doing that, which is why I think, you know, my art may not be correct, but it's different than other people's. And I think that's yeah. one of the reasons why, you know. And what's amazing about art and being an artist sometimes is that, you know, there's the conversations that you have with yourself in your head while you're creating the work, making the work, or even <laughs> that 
phase that other people really don't understand is where you're not working, but you're thinking about working and how you're going to work. And doing that can really save a lot of time um, and money, but you can have that entire novel of a conversation in your head from, uh, you know, inspiration to completion, and then put them out in front of people and realize, wow, I just pulled out of what I thought was my stupidest shirt or stupidest pieces or something like my throwaway art piece over here that I made five of instead of 15 of uh, is the most sold successful. Out and, yeah. yeah, and nobody wants the one that I thought was going to be the queen. It's Every, everybody always it's wants the ones that I'm like, like, look at how great this painting is. Don't you think this painting's great? And then they're like, no, this one. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, it's only the know. red paint. But... Like, that one only took me like 20 minutes. I spent three <laughs> days on the other one. Like, hey. I know. Throw, throw me some love on that. Well, it's true, too, it's what you said. Cause, interesting. Well, like, with even the spaces, and I know you just got your studio, like, a great new spot in New York City. Mm-hmm. So congratulations on that. Such a big deal. Thank you. Thank you. It only took about four years to figure out find and finance but you know hey it's impossible in that city and I mean it's really (laughs) due to a lot of like support and benefactors and you know even like gratis on space and location and all that stuff and that's really how that gets started so I'm just so excited for you and you. you know and we can talk about like the difference now that you have your stuff up and out because when for the longest time, and this is what you're doing now, you have your apartment and you have your studio and you commute back and forth. And then yeah, that was how my first studio was. And then my second studio um, was like a little garage hole, which was kind of, you know, one of those like times of flux. And then I moved into, sure. I know, as long as you can, you know, paint and glue. I don't care. And then I moved into a cottage and I had my studio below me, but I wasn't living amongst my art. Essentially it was a separate entrance. Now I'm living with it all the time. And in response to what you were saying, where you can like, you know, like I'm looking and digesting my paintings all day long now, like where I used to sit in my office and do my office things. Now my office is my studio and my apartment's my studio. Yeah. And I thought that I was going to lose my mind. I thought I was going to be like, I'm never going to get away from it. And I don't, but it's also well, an Well, I was going to ask, is it driving you crazy? Is staring at something too long? Because I've been in those situations as well. And I feel like they all kind of have, Uh, good and bad sometimes maybe you look at something long enough to realize you know what I do want to change that or add that or maybe you're like okay I need to freaking sell this thing because I'm tired of it staring at me the the thing that I've found with it is like a the one good thing about artwork is that if you're sick of looking at it you can always turn it around which I've done (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I can't look at you anymore yeah can't look at you anymore like I'm over it but also I found that it's been quite the time saver because I'm looking at pieces instead of being in a time crunch and being like I'm here for six hours this is what I the ultimately what I want to accomplish today which I'm very much into you're very much into Um, like I don't like to go I don't like to go into my studio and like sit and stare at something and walk away and not change anything or have any progress and consider I don't consider that a day's work ah I see I see so like being in the space with them is allowing you more time to digest all of the ideas that you have and not so much turn it off once you leave the studio that's really cool 
Yeah, like, because what I do now is when I'm done my work and stuff, like, it's like a process of osmosis. Like, I've been, like, taking in the things that I'm working on, uh, like, all day long. So when I finally finish, like, the things that I need to do or the meetings or whatever, I've this has been in my eyesight anyway, so I'll get up and I'll put a line on my troll doll and I'll be like, oh, that's what that's what's making his nose a little funny. You know, yes, instead, of, yes. instead of, like, trying it and painting it out, trying it and painting it out, I just, like, get up and I'm like, that's where that goes. Nice. That's Which I think awesome. ultimately is making, like, cleaner paintings, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Spending that time with them is great. I, I was living in <laughs> my studio as well. I mean, when you don't have the space and you don't have the space and you have to make the work, but you have to make the work, whether it was on my bed or in the living room, despite the, uh, uh, you know, fights me and my roommate got in about filled paint. I did my best to apartment clean, but you know, an artist will be a messy artist. Yeah, well, there's two people. There's there's people that can't stand paint, and there's people that love paint. Like it's, and my mom is like, she loves art and she loves paint, but not like I do. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she's like, I don't want, like. She's like, you walk around covered in paint all day long. Doesn't that bother you? All I'm day. like, no. I think it's I think it's beautiful. All my clothes, <laughs> like I don't mind if I get paint on most of my clothes, just because I mean, my God, am I gonna really stress about? You know, and I don't always, like, change clothes into, like, my painting clothes. Like, you know, whatever. I'm just going to start painting. You know, it's so, so bad. I, I think I have, like, yeah. one pair of black pants left that are, like, <laughs> street, like, business professional corporate. Except they're, like, shiny oh, no, and no, black. Only one. Yeah, I, do, I do have one. <laughs> the black one. Up, folded in the closet. Yeah. Do not touch. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so I, I want to. Go ahead, Vince. Oh, no, I was going to say I'm very happy to have uh, moved from living with, you know, 14 paintings surrounding me in my bed to uh, a studio space because I was having issues with not being able to turn it off. And I was mm-hmm. constantly working, constantly, constantly, constantly thinking, um, almost kind of it being oppressive in a way that I felt like, why aren't these selling faster? Uh, why aren't they selling for more? So when I finally got my studio space I set some new rules of not allowing myself to do any creative anything. I mean, I'm a lot, you know, I let myself sketch and do my sketchbook and stuff. That's like a, that's like a religious thing. I have to do that, but right. um, I wouldn't let myself paint at home. And, he, and I have found the division of assets there has really, really, really helped me a lot. It's been so amazing to like, get to the studio, release, like, all the ideas that I have that I'm ready to work on and make all the calls and pitches and emails and then be done, turn the lights off, lock the door, and find, like, my other self and let that rest. So. Well, 100% that's healthier, I think. Like, <laughs> I, can, yeah. I can completely tell the difference in my lifestyle, like, when I was a commuter to my work and then once I moved in with my work and like the difference totally. with creative work, and, I, and if you're really passionate about like finance or medicine or whatever, like you probably go home and research and teach yourself because that's your passion and your interest. It's just, yeah. You, it's, it's not ever boring. Right. With this though, like, I mean, and this could partially be, like, being 34. Like, I remember being in my early 20s and being friends with 
older artists or older than me artists that were like 10, 15 years older than me. They were like, let's just stay home tonight. And I'd be like, no, now I'm like totally (laughs) fine to like stay home and learn a new guitar riff or like learn a new way to like make something awesome. You know, so it's, it's, I don't know. I'm actually really, I didn't expect to enjoy it, but I've found a balance with it and my main my studio room is separate from my bedroom and like I mean I'm not gonna lie like I have some really crazy art dreams yeah more so now than ever but I think as of right now I'm gauging them more on the positive than the negative but I'm definitely staying in tune with it like if it gets to be too much it'll have to be addressed Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, it will get there. Like you'll those, those dreams to be overwhelming at some point, and then we say, okay, we got to change it up. Yeah, yeah, it's time to relocate. So, can you tell me about Sasha Valore and RuPaul's Drag Race? Yeah, um, I got involved with RuPaul's Drag Race by being a huge, huge mega fan, of course, for years uh, watching the show. Um, and I had a friend one night introduce me to, actually, it all started with Bob the Drag Queen. I met Bob the Drag Queen at a club in New York City where he was judging a dance competition. And my friend, this was before he was even on Drag Race. And my friend, Taylor, said, hey, Tyler, uh, Bob the Drag Queen is going to be at this club. I'm friends with him. You need to come meet him. Uh, he's going to be on Drag Race in, like, three months. So bring a T-shirt, like, uh <laughs> Yeah, load up, a, like, load up a goodie bag. Let's get this together. Yeah, yeah it's the gifting suite. <laughs> Call Francesca from the gifting suite from Tyler Wally's yeah. studio and uh, get together a baggie. Send it over in the yeah. car. Yeah, right. Meanwhile, you're um, over at, like, Dwayne Reed, like, being like, oh, my yeah. God, I have to buy some tissue paper. It's $7. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, no, can I get a discount? Like, you got a coupon for tissue paper, girl? Serious, it's for Bob. So, Bob the drag queen. Uh, yeah, it's, it's for Bob. It's at this across the street. Trust me. Um, it's special. I get some shit together, and I, 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 um, I get a shirt, and I go, and I introduce myself, and we have this great um, meeting, and he literally goes into the bathroom and puts the shirt on and wears it the rest of the night at the club. And I was kind of gagged. I was like, wow, that was, like, really unexpected and really sweet of him. And I'm so also then surprised that, like, going into the bathroom to, like, change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that's necessary, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe. Well, I don't know. You know, a queen, her undergarments, you never know with a queen. They're things tucked no. and fluffed and packed, and you never know. Some things are left best to the imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, that night, my friend tells Bob, you know, Tyler is this painter. He's, you know, the heir to the throne of the legacy of Keith Haring, and he's really doing everything he can to be a part of the LGBT community and, and integrating his art with that. And he, he, um, it would be so cool if you two could collaborate. He, he could totally, like, in the same vein that Keith Haring painted many dresses for Grace Jones when she was performing um, oh, I know. Palladium or Studio 54 or... You know, they put her on a huge, huge, like, uh, 15-foot-tall block, and Keith painted this massive, massive, uh, you know, uh, huge white tarp in his art, and it served as great. They put fans underneath it, and it blows up really big, and it, it was her dress. Um, it was a cool. epic, epic moment. So he said, you know, let Tyler paint a dress for you. And so Bob said, 
uh, okay, so uh, I, he, he told me, he's like, I'm going to be on, you know, a TV show, RuPaul's Drag Race, and finale will be coming up in about two months, and I'm going to walk the red carpet. Why don't you just paint my dress? Just very nonchalant. Why don't you just paint the dress? And I was really, really shocked. I almost really just thought it was kind of like club talk, like, oh, you know, we'll do lunch, or like, let's, get, let's, let's hang out this weekend, you know, maybe something <laughs> like that. Like, hey, new best friend, so, talk to you never. <laughs> yes. And it's, yeah. so, you know, and it's New York, and we're at the club, and it's like 2.30 in the morning. Right. You know, so you just think maybe someone's just being very sweet. So, <laughs> Play, uh, yeah. you know, it turns out, uh, you know, a month goes by, and I'm like, well, the dress thing didn't happen, but it was really person who's at that level, and, you know, that's good enough for me. And then I get the call, call the drag queen. He, he calls me Wallach. He says, hey, Wallach. And I said, he said, yes. Miss Bob, like I didn't know how to address him. <laughs> Roberta. Said, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I wasn't gonna say Bob, so but I was also gonna be like, yes, Bob the drag queen. It's just like too many words. I don't know. Whatever. I said Miss well, like, Bob. Yeah, Bob's the first name, and the drag queen's his her last name. Yeah, as it were. So I could say yes, Miss Drag. Yes, yes, Miss Drag Queen, or whatever. Um, he said, so uh, you gonna paint this dress? And I said, um, yeah, when do you need it? He said, I need it in three days. And I'm like, oh, my God, three days. Like, I work the next three days. So I call my boss, and I'm like, holy, 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 holy God. Bob the Drag Queen just called me and said that he wants me to paint this dress for him, and it's going to be on TV, and I only have three days. And I, I, and she's like, quit talking. I'm going to help you get your shifts covered. Don't worry. This is amazing. This is why you moved here. This is your moment. Like, this is. This is bigger than the restaurant. Go paint. Go buy your paint. So I said, okay. So and I just painted, 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 and she, I, I got the dress done. I handed it off to the seamstress who finally finished sewing it. Then she flew to L.A. to get it to Bob. It was on TV. He won Drag Race that night and shouted me out. And I gained like you know three or four thousand followers on Instagram while I was waiting tables that night. It literally felt like my cell phone was shaking. I, I opened it up the nice. page <laughs> because I was like, what is going on? Yeah, yeah. And my phone right. was literally lagging because um, Instagram was just going so crazy. And that, that opportunity right there led me to like, you know, the fandom sort of finding me and me being sort of drag race adjacent, working with queens like Juju B, Detox. I did a dress for Courtney Act. And then um, that's when Sasha Velour, a couple seasons later, or got on to Drag Race. And we had known each other in the Brooklyn scene for a while. And um, after she had won, she said, uh, you know, it's about time that we work together on a project. So she did a film, and I painted a really cool, like, Joker neon green, bleeding red, purple jacket. For a mm-hmm. movie, and then I painted this custom coat done by Florence Delee. Uh, I painted this gorgeous <laughs> coat for her entrance into DragCon LA, and uh, I've donated a couple of paintings to her drag show that she does in Brooklyn called Nightgowns, uh, and we've raised some money for some LGBT charities out here getting um, queer people of color uh, jobs in Brooklyn. So it's cool. just been like amazing it's been so amazing to be working with these fabulous queens because with the rise of drag and all of the emmys that 
RuPaul's Grace is winning, these girls have coins. They have money. And uh, I'm an artist to hire. So it, it's very symbiotic. Yeah, and I think, too, like, you know, there's – and I would – you know – I used to be quite – I used to work at Irving Plaza, so after we used to close down the shows and stuff, there were a few bars that we would frequent, and I would used to, like, find myself over often to Beauty Bar and on uh, oh, 14th yeah. Street. And, yeah, and, I mean, I used to hang out yeah. there a lot. <laughs> yeah, good times. Beauty Bar is and, fab. I love it. And, um, you know, and really made some cool friendships and cool connections through that bar, which were really pivotal, pivotal – pivotal, excuse me, in kind of mm-hmm. understanding, you know, queer rights, trans rights, all that good stuff. And, you know, as somebody who, um, you know, doesn't have sexuality boundaries, I'm very supportive and reflective on it because, you know, my experience living in New York, I were always so positive. You know, yeah. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on this week, and I know you don't mind talking about it, is I kind of wanted to ask you to educate us on what's going on governmentally with trans rights right now. Now that we're especially going into voting, the the voting season, voting week, um, early voting started today here in Maryland, and you know, kind of coming from or someone from the community, I wanted you to, or I wanted to ask you to explain it to us as, like, basic and stupid as possible. Like, so my dumb face can fully absorb what's going on and your opinion on it, how it affects you, how it affects your community, your friends, your family, and, you know, take a moment to like use this time to, to share that with us because it's so important to me um, to really respect and identify the LGBTQ community, those who are like truly genuine and how powerful it is. So if you will do that for us, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, sure. I think like, um, you know, it's natural for people to have a lot of questions and sometimes, you know, it may be uncomfortable about sexuality or gender with somebody but the biggest thing that I can advocate anybody to do is just keep asking those questions and don't be nervous to ask somebody their pronouns referring to whether somebody would be preferred to as he him she hers they theirs and them uh, it's a it's just a it's a personal preference and and you're not I think we should just move away from a world um, and, and this is kind of directly what's going on with the uh, with the Trump administration right now. If we can move away from the world of just making assumptions based on what people look like, because that's pretty much what's going on. In layman's terms, the uh, the the Trump administration is getting very biological in that they want to make it completely black and white absolutely no doubt that you are either male or female by thus completely disregarding the gender spectrum that anyone may fall on, um, which they're absolutely entitled to. So they basically want to legally be able to inspect and invade your body to discover whether or not 
uh, you are, in fact, either male or female and that there will be no other deciding factors. So this has a lot to do um, with complete erasure of the trans community if we're saying that our government is biologically only going to um, recognize male or female, then that means in every other aspect of life for trans people, they're essentially erased or they're yeah, exist not existent. This. Exactly. So what about, you know, because right now there are, um, you know, benefits and insurances and assurances for trans people in the military and um, insurance companies have now become well-versed in the needs of the trans community. And there's lots of kids out there um, and families out there who are understanding what it means to be trans at a younger age. And uh, there's lots of interesting situations out there where there are um, decisions being made about how soon you can do hormones and how long you can wait to push off puberty of a child so that, you know, if there is, um, you know, a situation out there where someone who is born in a different gender than they associate with doesn't have to be forced to go through the puberty of the gender they were born with. Um, right. So it's just, there are a lot, there are so, so many um, unique needs of the community. So it's this basis level of creating any sort of inspection of your body. Uh, yeah, it's just sort of it's, aiming yeah. towards an erasure of a, of a group of people that, have existed and will continue to exist. It's just, it seems so pointless, really, too. It seems coming from nowhere. I read a statistic that quite literally, if this is, if this is all coming from any sort of concern within the military, that the trans community represents like a less than one percentile of population yeah. of the military. So Yeah, it's just a fallback from, to say that we can't have this this like you know this factor in our agenda and it's spawning from here and you know that goes back to the don't ask don't tell stuff that we were dealing with 15 years ago 20 years ago where it was like the the basis of the military was putting out the insight of don't ask don't tell which is really like kind of you know poking the bear of society saying to society don't ask don't tell and it's really like what is that like don't ask don't tell yeah, like, it's separate but equal. It's that stupid. It's like the, like it's silence like it. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think it's really, you know, in a sense, psychologically and physically unsafe because, you know, one Absolutely. thing that I've learned, you know, in my experience of living in New York, and I've said that, you know, from my days in New York to even living in the building that I live in here in Baltimore, I'm dealing or I've experience and say dealing with I've experienced you know two generations of trans community the younger generation of the trans community does view things a little more um, I want to say personal and sentimental and you know I think that's also a quality of the generation in general um, where it's just like a change in you know how we're raised and personality and stuff like that but there's a lot of things that have you know crossed over from both experiences that I've had and the one thing that I've really learned with people that are like genuinely trans 
if you sit down and talk with them, they will fully explain to you how they feel, how that, you know, and, and, and rightfully spell out why something like if you hand somebody your ID at the airport and you have transitioned to, into a female, but yeah. your ID says you're male and your picture has to be male and it cannot reflect you. Just the psychological standing and the physical standing and the public standing in shame and, I mean, you know, chaos to, that creates. To, totally. If I had to put myself through that situation, it would be the first day in, thing day I think out. about in the morning. Yeah. It would be yeah, terrible. Yeah, leaving the house. It, it, yeah. Knowing that I can't, I, I just, um, you know, it's a, it can be, it would I, I just think that what the government is trying to do, if they're trying to do any sort of like body inspection in any kind of way, that that could absolutely be a traumatic experience for somebody who is not ready to show their body to anybody else because they couldn't, they shouldn't have to. If you're someone well, cause, who like, no one else identify, does. Exactly. Oh, like, exactly. what is that? <laughs> what is that? I mean, I come on. <laughs> like, you know, I know. They feel like it's like some serious, like going back in time stuff. And, you know, the level of privacy has become an issue and, you know, we can thank a lot of things internet related for that. And we, you know, for every step forward we take, we take like monumental steps back. And so. Well, yes, there's a, there's that theory of two steps forward, one step back. And uh, that was one of the theories that I sort of held on to, um, you know, and, and that dates back to history, you know, two steps forward, one step back. It's just kind of the way the walk goes, but that that would kind of be this, this administration would kind of be our step back, but you can't <laughs> like deny how many steps them, back, bro. <laughs> yeah, not just one step back, girl. But that, you know, at the end of the day, you really can't deny how it's pushed people like you and people like me, because I said the night Trump won, I said, you know, my God, if anybody had ever challenged me to make things even gayer and even more colorful, game on. I am. I'm ready to push. I'm ready to push back. So it's um, it's emboldened me to learn more and ask more questions and be more politically active. Um, and uh, yeah, to be able to stand up and fight for what's right. And lately, the trans community. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, like, I'll never forget when I was living in New York City when Obama was elected, and I was sitting with my friend Hoyt Brown, who's another amazing artist, um, African-American. I'm white. I'm Caucasian, you know, Caucasian-American. So, like, we were sitting there, and we were both watching this, and it was like we both were crying. We thought it was the coolest thing ever, and I had just this, like – like influx of emotion of like happiness and positivity and like hopefulness and just thinking like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Right. I'm sitting here with my friend. We're watching this. Like I'm feeling this. Like I really felt like some great emotions that night. It was incredible. And then when Trump was elected, I was sitting with my friend, Kara Kelly. She was bartending down at a bar that used to be open here called Portside shout out. And I was watching the election with her and I was, as the beers kept flowing and I was getting drunker and drunker and drunker as they were calling the States, I was saying, this can't be happening. And Kara was like, yeah, Kara was like, no, I think this is going to go down. And I remember, like, yep. feeling in that motion with another friend. And now both of us being white females and just being, like, having, like, the oh, shit moment. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. And 
you know, to have experienced that in such a short time in like a crossover of so many cultures and stuff, I can understand yeah. why this for you is such a monumental movement. And I really appreciate, like, I know that you put out an image for this past weekend, the March in DC, it was used. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. You know, and the fact that you're integrating your art like that with the cause as Herring did and, you know, kind of, you know, bringing to light that power that you have in what you make and what you say, I think you're really reflecting that. So I thank you for that very much. I'm oh, inspired thank, by well, that. I'm a, I'm, thank you. I'm appreciative of people who printed out the image. Of course, I encourage everybody to steal it and repost it and repurpose it and print it. And yeah, my friend Tyler Cargill, shout out to him. He lives in uh, Washington, D.C. He printed it out on like five sheets of big color paper and went and held it uh, in front of the White House and CNN filmed it and they put it on Anderson Cooper 360 on CNN. Yes. So, yeah, so a couple of people messaged me and they were like, wait, I saw the most like rainbow thing ever on CNN. Was that you? <laughs> yes, that was Doing me. the best compliment ever. <laughs> yeah, hey, I saw this like really colorful rainbowy thing on CNN. Is that you? That's me. Yeah. yeah that, that would be my calling card. Yeah, and totally. on that note, but, Tyler, I'm going to let you go because you are okay, like great. the brightest, the brightest rainbow right now. Tyler and I are working <laughs> on um, a couple things together and we're throwing around some ideas. So you guys will be definitely seeing more of him on my social medias. And oh, yeah. I'm just really looking forward to everything you have in store, man. And I just am so appreciative that the Internet brought us together because I just dig your personality. I dig how you view art. I just really resonate a lot with your cause and your efforts. And so I'm just like really excited we connected and thank you for being a part of this project. Oh, please. Absolutely. Thank you for giving a platform to artists, um, you know, to, to tell their stories um, and their inspirations and insights and, yeah, thank you for your contribution to art too. I um I love I just love arting with you. Let's keep arting. <laughs> I know arting is the best. It is. It's magic. <laughs> it really is. All right, guys, that's it for us today. Um, we will be back next Thursday at noon. I don't know who my guest is yet. It's been so crazy busy around these parts lately that sometimes I'm on the ball, sometimes I'm not. But we will be here next week at noon on Thursday on Lions Radio Network from all of us here at Jess Messen Broadcast. Thank you to Tyler Wallach. You can find him on all his social medias. I will post his links. We'll do all that work. But it's at, it's at, all at Tyler Wallach on Insta and everything, right, bud? Yeah, it's at Tyler Wallach Studio. Okay, great. And so that's going to do it for us here. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great day. Bye, Tyler. Bye.